0: Please turn with me in your Bibles to the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel, chapter 25. 1 Samuel 25. Last week, in the first part of 1 Samuel 25, we saw how and why David got so wound up with fury. And vengeance that he set out to destroy a harsh and badly behaved rich man named Nabal and all the males in Nabal's house. David and his 600 men were still staying away from King Saul in a wilderness area west of the Dead Sea. Supporting 600 men was quite a challenge. But even so, David's men were good neighbors to the people in that area and even provided protection for Nabal's men and their vast flocks of sheep and goats. David sent ten of his men to humbly ask Nabal for provisions from Nabal's abundance. But Nabal replied with a with contempt and a stern rebuke and a put-down, which absolutely infuriated David. With immediate thirst for vengeance because of Nabal's insult, David set out with 400 of his men to end Nabal's life and wipe his name from history by also destroying every male of his house, including every male who served him. We see here, then, quite a turn of events, since the same man who graciously spared Saul's life in chapter 24, the same Saul who was trying to find and kill David, is now, in chapter 25, letting vengeance rule his heart as he sets out to destroy Nabal for insulting him. David, who turned back his men's desire to kill Saul when they had such an obvious way to do so in chapter 24 in that cave, now in chapter 25, is telling his own men to grab their swords and follow him to exact his own vengeance. We were also briefly introduced to Nabal's wife in the beginning of chapter 25, verse 3, described there as discerning and beautiful. Understanding the certain destruction heading their way, a servant of Nabal hightails it back to tell Nabal's wife, Abigail, what's about to happen and why it's about to happen. Knowing that she is the only person left who can consider and discern what must be done to avert certain disaster. This servant knows that Nabal is, quote, a worthless man that one cannot speak to. But his wife, Abigail, is quite the opposite, both approachable and reliable. Evidently, she's already known through past experience in this household as the competent wife who had been called on before to rectify some of her husband's pig-headedness. The sad thing is that many times the foolish person doesn't even realize that the wise person saves them from disaster after disaster after disaster, such as life we all probably know some people just like these two. The stage is now set for us to see, once again, the timely providence and faithfulness of God in these circumstances. By how? By restraining his chosen king, David, from his own impulsive foolishness and vindictiveness remember that a colorful way to think of providence is that frequently mysterious always interesting way in which the lord provides for his servants in their various needs if you are able please stand as i read first samuel 25 starting at verse 18 Through 35. 1 Samuel 25, starting at verse 18 through verse 35. Then Abigail made haste and took two hundred loaves and two skins of wine and five sheep already prepared and five sias of parched grain and a hundred clusters of raisins and two hundred cakes of figs and laid them on donkeys. And she said to her young men, Go on before me, behold, I come after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. And as she rode on the donkey and came down under cover of the mountain, behold, David and his men came down toward her, and she met them. Now David had said, Surely in vain have I guarded all that this fellow has in the wilderness so that nothing was missed of all that belonged to him, as he has returned me evil for good. God do so to the enemies of David, and more also if by morning I leave so much as one male of all who belong to him. When Abigail saw David, she hurried and got down from the donkey and fell before David on her face and bowed to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, On me alone, my lord, be the guilt. Please let your servant speak in your ears and hear the words of your servant. Let not my lord regard this worthless fellow Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, your servant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now then, my Lord, as the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, because the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt and from saving with your own hand. Now then let your enemies and those who seek to do evil to my Lord be as able. And now let this present that your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men, Who follow my Lord? Please forgive the trespass of your servant. For the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house, because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord, and evil shall not be found in you so long as you live. If men rise up to pursue you and to seek your life, the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living in the care of the Lord your God. And the lives of your enemies, he shall sling, but as from the hollow of a sling. And when the Lord has done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you, and has appointed you prince over Israel, my Lord shall have no cause of grief or pangs of conscience for having shed blood without cause, or for my Lord taking vengeance himself. And when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your servant. And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion, and blessed be you, who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from avenging myself with my own hand. For as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has restrained me from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me, truly by morning there had not been left to Nabal so much as one male. Then David received from her hand what she had brought him, and he said to her, Go up in peace to your house. See? See? I have obeyed your voice and I have granted your petition. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May be seated. Abigail is on a mission, there wasn't any time to tarry. Now, some of you maybe a lot of you, may be wondering if Abigail is not being submissive to her husband here. Remember that in Nabal's foolish pride, he was causing his whole house to face certain death. So Abigail was acting very quickly to save her husband and family. Gordon Ketty ra- remarks that, Wifely submission does not extend to initiating fruitless arguments and still less to potentially suicidal delay. That's a wordy way of saying, good thing she was there. Good thing she (laughs) acted. But even more important in that question is that Abigail recognized who David was. In verse 30, we read, And when the Lord has done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you prince over Israel, she knew who David was. Knowing that David was the anointed and future prince and king of Israel obviously is important in the way and the quickness of, that Abigail Abigail responds and how she approached David. This woman acted fast, putting together an offering of bread, wine, sheep, grain, raisins, and figs, so much that several donkeys had to carry it all. Verse 18. This present from Abigail accomplished two things. First, it signaled to David her good intentions and her respect for him. And second, we find out in verse 27 that she also intended it for David's men, an offering of restitution for what David had asked Nabal for that he refused to give. In verses 19 through 22, we see her approaching David with her young men, going before her with all the gifts. David's intention is again spelled out exactly as had been explained to her in this section. So yes, this was serious. Now one thing to note as we look at what she says is that she uses the phrase, and some of you had your eyebrows raised a little bit, I'm sure, she used the phrase, my Lord, speaking of David, 14 times in this little message. Beginning in verse 23 through verse 31, we have a really fascinating, detailed account of how abigail appealed to david and in case you're wondering this is an excellent short course in how to seek to turn an aggrieved fellow believer from their anger and i bet you every one of us needs to learn this appeal it is fascinating. First and most obvious is that Abigail humbled herself in David's presence, which is hard for anybody in our day to do because we're all taught that we're mighty. And showing deference to anybody is foolish when exactly the opposite is true. Verse 23: When Abigail saw David, she hurried. She didn't take her time. Do you notice that? Didn't shift her legs just right, swish this and that, look around. She got off the donkey fast and fell before David on her face and bowed to the ground. Just because our culture despises someone who displays this kind of humility and respect doesn't mean that it's not an actual mark of special grace in your life to know who you are well enough in the Lord Jesus Christ that you can can humble yourself before him and others. The contrast between her husband's action towards David and Abigail's is absolutely startling. Nabal has insulted David as more or less a runaway slave, etc., but Abigail displays the respect due to her superior, the anointed future king of Israel, chosen to be that by God himself, her king in the purposes of God. Second, Abigail confessed the guilt of her sin. What were you thinking when you read this? She fell at his feet and said, On me alone, my Lord, be the guilt. And every one of us is crying out as we think. But Nabal was the one who was guilty. He was the one that was guilty of grievous sin, not Abigail. Right? Right? If you weren't thinking that, you need to tell me after the service, but be honest. Now, hear this. As Nabal's wife, Abigail owned the sin of her husband and so acknowledged it before David. That's how she presented herself. Two people, one flesh. Every married couple knows that you either go with the good flow or you experience the pain and agony of whatever the other one does. She decided to own the sin of her husband before this king. And her words here reflect her humble, repentant heart. For her husband's sin. There is an open acknowledgement here of the offense. No beating around the bush. And a wife's admission of guilt. Notice too that this confession is not what we usually think or hear as a confession in our day. I'm sorry that you feel this way, David, is not a confession. One way you can handle this is just try not to even use the word sorry. Try. You're still sorry, but most of the time that ends up being the main point. And being sorry is not confession and repentance. Instead, Abigail confronts David by not doing what? By not bearing the guilt or talking about the guilt of her husband, but with the penitence of her own heart, her own servant-heartedness. She bore that herself before David as she humbled herself. Is that incredible? Abigail then, and here's a way that may help to think about this, because this we need to chew on. Abigail confessed the sin that stood between her family and David. Does that help? Help me. She confessed the sin that stood between her family and David. So first, she humbles herself. Second, she confessed the guilt of her sin. And third, Abigail offered restitution. Verse 27. And now, let this present that your servant has brought to my Lord be given to whom? The young men who follow my Lord, David. We've already said that this present showed David her good intentions and respect and that she intended it for David's men as an offer of restitution for what David had asked of Nabal. The New Testament makes clear that confession of sin is to be accompanied by sincere attempts to redress wrongs. Does that seem like it's missing in our day? Let me tell you a true story. Some of our best friends have a a daughter who is married to a guy who is an assistant pastor of a church in Canada. And God has worked great, great, greatly in Toronto where this church is. So much so that people off the street are coming in to this church because they want to hear about the God who they know these people in this church serve. And you can probably guess why. Because of what the people have proclaimed and because they backed it up by loving the people that they encounter in this big city. One of the gals who then came to the Lord and true repentance and faith had been a thief. Very good at stealthily removing items from all kinds of stores. After she became a Christian, she was taken under the wing by an older lady in this church and confessed to her what her life had been like and how much stuff she had taken, most of which was still in her possession. This new believer decided... That the right thing to do would be to go back to every store that she had stolen this stuff from and take it back and ask for forgiveness. Now, you can hardly even picture that, right? Try. I've been trying for a couple of weeks now since we heard this story. She did it. And not one store acted. They could have. She was ready for that. How many people do you think were completely blown away at the change in this person's life when she brought back stuff that she had stolen from each store? I I can't even remember hearing about anything like this happening recently. Of course, you, you know my memory is pretty bad, but this is remarkable. Restitution is a part of true repentance, whether it's thievery or whether it's making things right with somebody or whatever is involved. fourth thing that Abigail did was she pleaded for forgiveness from David. She did not assume it. She did not say it was her right. She pleaded for it. In other words, she knew who was who here. In verse 28, verse, the first part, Very clear, very succinct. Please forgive the trespass of your servant. So notice the progression of what she has done already. She humbly approached David. She confessed the sin of her house. She made restitution, made a sincere effort effort to redress the sin, and she pleaded for forgiveness. Lastly, fifthly, now and only now, Abigail appealed to David's sense of godliness. She didn't start off with that. In other words, when we've wronged others, we should appeal to them to respond in godly ways. But only after we've confessed any sins committed and have acted to make up for harm that we've done. Abigail actually makes two related appeals through this speech. First, Abigail appeals to David not to respond to Nabal by becoming like Nabal, but rather to be grateful for her endeavor to restrain his response, which should be seen as God's work, God's work through her. You understand that? She knows who David is. She knows that they deserve something for Nabal's idiocy. Remember that Nabal's name itself means fool. But what does she do? She knows that if the king takes vengeance upon this whole family, that it would mark his whole reign. It would change the whole course of his life. you ever been at a crossroads like that? If I do this, I'm going to be known for this the rest of my life. If I do this, it'll be right. It may hurt, but it's the right thing to do. David understood this in the cave. He kept 600 men from doing this very thing, although he probably had a better reason with Saul because Saul was actually trying to kill him. But still, the point is parallel. But here, just like us, we do what's right, trust God with it one minute, the next minute we're off somewhere lifting ourselves up. He made a fool of me. He insulted me. I'm going to get him back. We see this woven through verses 25 through 26. Look there. Let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow, Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, your servant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now then, my Lord, as the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, because the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt and from saving with your own hand, now then, let your enemies and those who s- seek to do evil to my Lord be as Nabal. Now there, in verse twenty-six, some newer versions save the words after blood guilt to from saving, but the intent there of those words is taking vengeance, saving that way, your own reputation. Abigail sees that by allowing her to approach him, remember, this woman is discerning. By David letting her approach him, and by listening to her, David's heart has already been turned away from vengeance. Do you catch that? She knew that as she talked to him. And all this, she knew, is really the Lord's doing. What does that tell you about Abigail? Like to meet her? So first, she appeals to David not to respond to Nabal Nabal by becoming Nabal like him. You don't respond to somebody that's an idiot or a fool by being a fool and an idiot yourself in your response. And for most of us, it's very easy to do that, is it not? Second, Abigail appeal to David to act like the servant of the Lord he really is by displaying the gracious character of God's servant, which he really is. This is a, another way of saying what we've communicated here many times is be who you are. You are first and foremost, if you believe and have trusted Christ, Given him your life. You are his. You are identified with Christ. You belong to him. That is your identity. So, do you see what she does? First, she negatively says, Don't act like the fool that insulted you, my husband. In fact, even his name means that. But secondly, be who you really are, the servant of the, God, of the Lord. And we see that in verses 28 through 31. For the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house, because my Lord, you David, is, you're fighting the battles of the Lord, and evil shall not be found in you so long as you live. If men rise up to pursue you and seek your life, the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living. That's kind of a cool Hebrew way of saying the, the book of life. In the lives of your enemies, he shall sling out as from the hollow of a sling. Um, she's pretty smart, isn't she? What did she just refer to? Hey, David, remember how you took care of the enemy of the Lord with something called a slingshot? It's the same picture. And she includes this in her speech. And when the Lord has done to my Lord you, David, according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you prince over Israel, my Lord shall have no cause of grief or pangs of conscience for having shed blood without cost. What an appeal. Or for my Lord taking vengeance himself. And when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember me, your servant. Oh, I think David's going to remember her. In fact, we're not going to get there today. But you can look at the end. Abigail addresses David, as we said, 14 times as my Lord. Which emphasizes her confidence that the Lord will restrain David through her. And in fact, the Lord does just that, using Abigail. This is a neat way to think of this. He uses Abigail as kind of like a stop sign for his servant. God does that with his people, he does that with his word mainly. He does it a lot through his people using God's word. Now, I'm just going to read David's response again. Because when you see, one second, he's got 400 guys with him, armed to the teeth, ready to annihilate a man in his whole household. And what does he say now when he's approached by and listens to the wise words of this woman who is trusting God And appeals to him the right way and points out, really, the folly of his intentions. Don't be like my husband, Nabal. And you don't want to be guilty of vengeance. You're going to be the king. You are the king, but when you are actually reigning, you don't want this on your record. You You are called to be the one who leads people to do the right thing in these kind of situations. So, again, God is faithfully restraining his servant, a sign of his providential faithfulness. When David had no intention of restraining himself. Has God ever done that with you? When the only thing you can say is, man, he stopped me. He stopped me. And you're so aware of it, you fall on your face, and it really does something to your heart. You're not so quick next time to run after your own intentions. And David said to Abigail, this is quite a response. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. He recognizes. He now sees that God has used the woman of the fool he was about ready to annihilate to be the one to keep him from vengeful murder. What does this tell you about David's heart? He recognizes God's work and like all of us, He lives a life of repentance. Blessed be your discretion, and blessed be to you who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from avenging myself with my own hand. For as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, who has restrained me from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me. Catch that? He recognized that. Truly by morning, there had been nothing left to, to enable so much as one male. Then David received from her hand what she had brought him. None of this. Nah, you don't need to do that. It's okay. And he said to her, Go up in peace to your house. See, I have obeyed your voice. I have granted your petition. My question is, is as we stand for the benediction, do you know this God? Do you know this faithful God in Christ his Son? Are you willing to let him be the one to rule your life? Can you trust him? See, after a story like this, those are all really foolish, dumb questions. Yes, he's faithful. Yes, he knows what has happened. Yes, He proved His love. He sent His Son to die for my sin, for your sin. Let's stand for that benediction From the end of the book of Hebrews. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, May that God equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. You're dismissed.